0: Hey, Welcome to season one of the Caffeine Nervosa podcast. I'm Taryn. And I'm Lauren. We're two ladies who have a deep and abiding appreciation for the 1990s NBC sitcom Frasier. In this podcast, we're going through the show season by season, and we're talking about specific topics as we go. You can find all season one episodes in the feed right now. Along the way, we'll share some of our favorite moments,
1: great jokes, guest stars we love, character moments that last, and other Frasier-related fun. In this episode, we're talking about how the show portrays people of color and how it portrays upper-class white culture. And for season one, that means a full diversity rundown and the utter white nonsense that is throwing a party to unveil a painting.
0: So, have your waitress bring you your Zimbabwe decaf, milk, no cinnamon in sight, and snag your regular table or your backup regular table at Nervosa as we talk about season one of Frasier.
1: Let's dive in with Lauren's patented diversity rundown. TM. TM, exactly. Um, A little disclaimer here. We want to be really mindful to point out that we are two white women. Hi. Hello. Uh, We don't wish to speak for any person who isn't us and who doesn't identify as white. uh, But we're choosing to draw attention to this because it's a systematic problem, and calling attention to it is the right thing to do. In season one, my approach was to document every single time a person of color appeared on the show. And you can find screenshots of all of these instances in our Instagram feed, at Cafe Pod. Uh, it was shockingly easy to capture them all, and sadly easy. So this is my patented diversity rundown. Uh, these are some fast facts about how well the show is portraying people who aren't white. In season one, a person of color appears in only 11 of 23 episodes of the show. Pretty shameful. Not not super. I counted uh, 10 of around 26 total actors who had speaking roles. Again, we could do better. I do want to specifically point out three actors of note and talk about their characters and highlight the work that they're doing. The first is a man... Uh, named Teddy. The character's named Teddy and it's played by a man named Wayne Wilderson. Uh, he's introduced as one of the brilliant engineers on at the station um, and Niles greets him with a really awkward my man which is played for laughs and is funny because it's always funny when David Hyde Pierce makes a fool of himself. Sure is. Uh, but it also kind of sucks. Um, we never hear from Teddy again but he does have a speaking part. Teddy, as I mentioned, is played by Wayne Wilderson, uh, and I recognized him from Veep, but he's also had many guest and recurring guest appearances on various TV shows.
0: He is a familiar face. Yeah. Just from TV, one of those people where you look up their IMDb and there's like... I've seen you probably three or four times. On all of TV. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Another
1: actor I wanted to call out plays a character named Sam Tanaka, Uh, in the episode, Author, Author, episode 22. He plays Niles's publisher, and this is where Fraser and Niles are writing a book together. Um, The character Sam Tanaka is portrayed by uh, an actor with one name only, Mako or Mako, I'm not sure. Um, He's a Japanese born American immigrant, and he was Oscar nominated in 1966 for a film called The Sand Pebbles, which is just kind of interesting. That's really cool. The third actor that I wanted to touch on in our first season diversity rundown is um, a woman named Luck Hari. In episode 22, we meet her at Cafe Nervosa. She is the waiter who will be with us through season six. Um, And if you look at her Instagram, she's in there. You'll probably recognize her. She's in a lot. She's in quite a few episodes. Um, Luck Hari is credited only as waitress here. I'm not sure if she gets a name in future seasons. Um, But here is a clip of uh, Luck speaking to Frasier at the very end of the first season.
2: Frazier, as always, I've enjoyed getting together with you for coffee. What do you guys talk about all the time? Oh, Oh, you know, sports, chicks, monster truck rallies. Okay, (laughs) don't tell me.
1: (laughs) Zimbabwe. Decaf, non-fat milk, no cinnamon in sight. Now,
0: are you happy?
2: You know, in the greater scheme of things, yes, I'd say I am.
0: I like that uh, Luck is given the opportunity to always roll her eyes at Frasier very openly. She works well as an audience surrogate.
1: I agree, and it's really cool that a woman of color particularly is given that role, and, and this scene is at the very end of the first season, and um, she is the person who asks him, are you happy, which is kind of the one of the main questions the show is asking throughout. It's great that a diverse voice is given that line.
0: It really is. Beyond the problems with the representation of people of color, there is also a problem in the first season and in the show where Frasier and Niles' elitist white culture is seen as not only the default, but as a better way to live. I have a couple of examples of this. In the episode where Niles and Frasier want to reconnect with Martin and They end up at their version of Hell, a downscale steak restaurant, which is episode three, entitled Dinner at Eight. There's a really great moment where the show dismantles the idea that Frazier and Niles are the epitome of goodness because of their high taste. And Martin gets this moment, which is great because he's our everyman. And he does so with this great speech. All right, that's
2: it. I had enough of you two jackasses. I spent the whole night listening to you making cracks about the food and the help. Well, I got news for you. People like this place. I like this place. I mean, when you insult this restaurant, you insult me. You know, I used to think you two took after your mother, liking the ballet and all that. But your mother liked a good ball game, too. She even had a hot dog once in a while. She may have had fancy taste, but she had too much class to ever make me or anybody else feel second-rate she saw the way you two behaved tonight she'd be ashamed i know i am dad wait no i'm going over to duke's for a nightcap. well at least let us take you there i'll take a cab i've had enough of you two for one night leave the waitress a good tip she deserves it Nile say something dad wait the mud pie is coming <laughs>
0: It's in moments like this that Fraser and Niles are reminded that they aren't better than anyone else. It's great that Martin as their dad
1: has a perspective on them to say you need to cool it. As Martin points out there's a difference between having fancy taste and having class uh, and it's great that he is the person to point that out to them.
0: It really is. Martin's fantastic. We're team Martin. We really are. This isn't
1: the only example of their ridiculous privilege. Taryn, let's talk about a painting unveiling party.
0: Let's get into it. In episode six, entitled The Crucible, Frasier buys a local artist's painting and then holds a party to unveil it. And the artist, who is in, in attendance at this party, tells him it's a forgery. First, this painting unveiling party, hey? A rich white man buys a painting from a local artist and then ho- hosts a weird party to show it off with the quirky artist as the guest of honor. I mean, as a member of the
1: white community, the number of painting unveiling parties I have been to, it's in the hundreds, I'm sure.
0: She has gowns for all of them.
1: <laughs> gowns aplenty, yeah, that that's
0: some nonsense. It's super weird, and if I'm not mistaken, this is not the only painting unveiling party that Fraser holds in the series. <laughs> believe Allison Janney is the artist in the other episode. I look forward to that. It'll be great. I want to talk about the artist herself, Martha Paxton, because this is what upper-white class people think artists are, but in the real world artists are more like regular people. They might have interesting style, but this is a caricature of what out-of-touch people think creative people are like. Martha Paxton is a bald woman who wears a poncho so that she doesn't have to shake hands with people. She has cultivated an image for herself as an eccentric outsider. And we have a clip of her introduction.
2: Everyone, everyone, your attention please. I'd like you all to welcome our guest of honor, the renowned artist, Martha Paxton. May I take your poncho? No, 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 no. I never take it off at parties. It gives me an excuse not to shake hands with people. Oh, how delightfully eccentric. You must meet my brother Niles. Oh, Niles! (laughs) Miss Paxton, Dr. Niles Crane, it's an honor to shake your hand.
1: (laughs) Well, to shake anything of yours is an honor.
0: Niles shakes her poncho at this time.
1: <laughs> you can hear in that clip that not only is she presenting herself as an eccentric, but Fraser literally buys into it. He's delighted to meet this quirky artist, and that's just not a real thing.
0: And to trot her out in front of his rich friends. Yeah. It's a romanticized version of an artist, and that's because rich white people don't want to know that the person that made their art is just a normal person. As you say, with a job probably, and responsibilities, they
1: want it to be this ideal. Exactly. As part of my diversity rundown, I noticed that this episode that we're talking about, episode six, is a bonanza of diversity. There are many of background actors that are people of color, and there are two with speaking roles. Also, Frasier's crusade to get his money back for a forged painting includes calling up the police to report it. As I always do when my paintings (laughs) show up forged. Exactly, and the show treats this as a joke. It knows it's a joke. But the plot still revolves around that incredibly white nonsense. Here's a clip.
2: For God's sake, Frasier, you're 41 years old. It's time you learned something. The system ain't perfect. Sometimes the bad guy wins. And all those things you thought would be around to help you, the courts and the police department, well, sometimes they're just not there when you need them. So you can either let it eat a hole in your stomach, or you can just file it away under the heading, Sometimes Life Sucks. Yeah, well, that file's getting pretty thick.
1: So Martin's speech there where he's telling Fraser a 41-year-old man, that life isn't fair and that sometimes the bad guy wins, Um, that's a true statement. But for anyone other than a straight white person, it's very fundamentally true. Fraser's 41 and he's just feeling this sting of injustice. It's pretty insulting, actually.
0: And insulting that he finds it over his expensive forged painting yeah, and uh an expensive painting that will do no
1: make no difference in his life. He has enough money to buy 30 more. Like it, it there are no consequences for that. Yeah, definitely. Another point here is that the conclusion of the episode is where Fraser and Niles go to the gallery that sold Fraser the forged painting and throw a brick through the window because Niles gets swept up in a vigilante moment. Um so they vandalize the gallery and then niles throws a wad of cash on top of the smashed window and with that the the pair is absolved there's no further actions they are not put in jail in the next episode um that is some privilege it's not great not super
0: we want to give the show a little bit of credit for the amount of representation they do have the amount of people of color in the show is admittedly weak, but there were quite a few more than I think either of us expected. For sure, when I was keeping track, I
1: was pleasantly surprised at how many people of color were in the show and in the background.
0: I was as well, and I was comparing it in my mind to Friends, which is a an also very white show, I'm gonna guess that in the first season of Frasier there are more people of color than there are in the whole of Friends. So that's something to to commend it for.
1: For sure. Uh, There's another little moment that I don't know if this was a planned moment or not but I'm happy it exists. Uh, And this is in episode 14 where Frasier is at a bachelor auction after Frasier has been bid on by an attractive woman he says to someone maybe bulldog um, that's my new owner and there's a background actor who's black who flashes a look at the camera <laughs> like uh your owner bud like let's not let's not go there kind of thing I don't have any inside information on this but I like to think that it was that actor's choice to look at the camera and call out the show for being so darn white
0: Our next segment is 1990s nonsense, where we discuss the aspects of the show that have not aged as well as others. Reminder, it has been 25 years since it premiered, and a lot has changed. The nonsense that I am bringing today is that not a single person of color is a caller this season, and the callers into Fraser's show are all famous people throughout the entire series. And it's too bad because there's a wide variety of people they have calling in, film and TV actors, Broadway stars, musicians, but all of them in this first season are white. Yeah, that's a real bummer. It just sucks.
1: Uh, the nonsense I noticed in season one is where Bulldog does a horrifically racist Chinese caricature while he's recording an ad for a Chinese food restaurant. And not only are there laughs, that are reacting to this racism, uh, but really wild cheers from the audience. Oh, it's not good. It's really not good. Very cringy. Very cringy. And Roz, who is the voice of reason, um, she does say we're we are going to get sued this time for sure. But it shouldn't be in there. It's not good. Um, and that's some hot nonsense from Nonsense Corner this week. It sure is. <laughs> Turning back to the things that we love about the show, it's that time where we recommend an episode for you from the first season.
0: Taryn, what is your pick? I am going to suggest episode three, Dinner at Eight. It's an episode that I know we'll be talking about a lot in our first season. It's a classic episode, and maybe my favorite part is that it undercuts the self-importance of these two white men, and it's a real win for us regular people. For sure, I'd eat at the steakhouse, at the timber mill. (laughs) I sure would too.
1: I like fixin's. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The episode I will recommend is episode 18 and the whimper is, Uh, this is the Seabees episode. And while there are no great episodes that feature a person of color prominently, uh, at the Seabees award ceremony, there is a lovely black gentleman who is the MC with multiple lines um, and there are a lot of people in the audience as well that are people of color. It's also a classic example of Fraser spinning his wheels because he thinks he's in control of everything and he isn't and that's a win for all of us. It really
0: is. Thanks for listening to Cafe Nervosa. Check out the other episodes for this season of the podcast. They're in our feed on iTunes and Google Play and on our website at cafenervosapodcast.com. Also, you should go right
1: now and follow us on Instagram at Cafe Nervosa Pod. We are incredibly proud of that feed and you will enjoy it. Please also help us spread the word by telling the Niles to your Fraser, the Daphne to your Martin about Cafe Nervosa.
0: We like to end every episode with clips of our favorite jokes from this season based on our theme. Lauren, you are up. Uh, My clip
1: is Fraser calling the police to report his forged painting.
2: What are you going to do now? Well, they forced my hand. I'm going to call the police. Five, 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 three thousand. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Trying to mess with Dr. Fraser Crane. I'll teach them. Hello. Yes. Uh, Oh, just a second. Dad, who do I ask for? I haven't put you through to the Fine Arts Forgery Department. Right. Hello. Yes. Uh, the Fine Arts Forgery Department, please. <laughs> Dad, they're laughing at me. That's <laughs> all. Oh, this? Hey, Doris. Yeah, it's Marty Crane. Yeah, that was my son. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that he needed a, a bite of a reality sandwich.
1: We're all laughing at you, Frasier.
0: And we're all on team Martin. Mm-hmm. Taryn, what's one of your favorite scenes from season one? So I have a clip from episode 15, You Can't Tell a Crook by His Cover. And in this scene, Niles and Frasier have gone to find Daphne to make sure she's safe after finding out that she's gone on a date with an ex-con.
2: Has a young woman been in here this evening, approximately 5 foot 9 and 3 quarters, with skin the color of Devonshire cream and the sort of eyes that gaze directly into one's soul with neither artifice nor evasion? (laughs) Well, this would be an English woman named Daphne. Oh, yeah, the one that came in with Jimmy. Right. But well, she was over there shooting pool a minute ago. I think she stepped in the back. What happened to Jimmy? <laughs> he tried to get fresh with her. She threw a hammer lock on him and ran him out of here. <laughs> that babe can take care of herself. See, I told you so. It was good riddance, too. Guy was no good. I knew it the first time I saw him. You can always tell. yeah, yeah. <laughs>